2: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com
1: to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling.
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleOmics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting On Demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, August the 8th, 2021. And today on the program, we have... WWE NXT doom to discuss the era of Paul Levesque's NXT possibly will be greatly different from this moment forward. More ratings news to discuss as AEW did over 1 million viewers for I think the fourth consecutive week. We've got a quarter hour breakdown how this episode lines up in the history of AEW Dynamite going back to 2019 ratings of course for Raw and Smackdown in their what is this third or fourth week on the return to the road more live attendance news we've got the United Center sold out for AEW on August the 20th AEW has a new TV deal with a major international market click here to find out which one and uh, there's there's a hint from a job listing that indicates that maybe AEW has additional sort of side programs in the works maybe Uh, And we have Google Web Search to discuss if there's time. But first. Joining us live from South Buffalo to my South by Southeast, everyone's favorite ring announcer, fresh off his special appearance at Excite Wrestling in the Johnson City Mall Mall. Chris Gullo joins us to discuss the week's events.
1: Yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, yeah, it was a fun show uh, this past Saturday uh, at uh, Excite Wrestling. Uh, big Time Bill Collier is the new champion. Oh, really? In the uh, Battle New York tournament. And uh, yeah, so uh, just uh, it's uh, good to be back. Uh, like I said, a, a driving up the road, I'm, I'm I'm happy to be home.
2: So, so the how long was that tournament? The Battle of New York. It was it was a, a tournament that Excite Wrestling put on featuring wrestlers from all throughout New York State. But this is a tournament that had been going on for a while, is that correct? Yeah, it started in, I believe, June, yeah. Okay. Were 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 those in in seminar events or were those yeah. in yes. other types those, of official events? Those are the seminar events. Okay. Uh but uh yeah, big time. Bill Collier and, and Jay Freddy had a good match at ESW a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah. So, uh, what time did you get get home last night slash this morning?
1: Um, around uh, two in the morning because uh, uh, yeah, because I lot We left the uh, barbecue restaurant like close to ten o'clock. You went to the barbecue eat. restaurant
2: too. You went to the
1: the after party. Yes, they have a vegan. Cuban made out of
2: jackfruit that's amazing so how 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 important would you say it is that you go to the after party to reassure your next booking in any given promotion not this promotion in particular we're not going to analyze that here but just in general (laughs) tell me about the 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 politics of going to the after party in independent wrestling I
1: think I think it all depends on how secure your spot you think it is I mean I usually go to after parties because I just like Spend an extra time with the guys and listen, and
2: then we had a nice yeah. crew of guys. And that's why I came, even though you have a three and a half hour drive ahead of you to go home.
1: Yeah, I was like, uh, you know, I mean, but if it's, you know, I, I'll put it this way. When I do MMA gigs, I don't really know anybody. And they always have after parties. and I never go because I don't know anybody. Yeah. Yeah. You know if they pick somebody else because um, I cause they didn't go well, to the see, after party. I, the, you know.
2: the, the MMA after parties, that's your opportunity to to build these connections and get your brand out there and get future bookings. You know, Uh, I guess I have uh, been watching uh, wrestling more so than usual this week as our our local wrestler, Daniel Garcia, has uh, wrestled on AEW Dynamite. I think he wrestled on Dark. He was in the finals of the SCI tournament last night, and uh, he has another match later today. We're recording on Sunday uh, for the IWTV title. So there's that. So. What do you want to talk about first? Chris? Well, let's, right not... the... yes. <laughs> let's get right into the... There uh, we go. Yes.
1: Let's get right into the NXT releases. Uh, Sean Rusepp, uh reported Friday evening that WWE released Bobby Fish, Bronson Reed, Jake Alice, Ari Sterling, Kona Reeves, Leon Ruff, uh, <clears throat> Stefan Smith, Tyler Russ, Zacharias, uh, Zechariah Smith, Asher Hale, the Giant Zangir, Mercedes Martinez, and also Desmond Troy. Uh which was posted a little bit shortly
2: after this. Right. Good good catch. That's not even on our notes. Chris Cole just knew that off the top of his head, folks. Uh yeah. That's that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, plus thirteen. Thirteen. Uh Stefan Smith is a referee, but everybody else was a wrestler, right? Uh released. Yeah. These are all NXT people. No nobody here, main roster, although Bronson Reed, uh, I, I think had done a dark match or something or have been brought to, to main roster TV. But, he
1: did main um, event. I think I could be wrong. But I'm pretty sure he did the main event show.
2: Okay. So I think that was the most surprising one to me, uh, that they would really somebody who actually has size as, as we'll discuss here. It seems that there's been a change in the vision in WB's developmental that they want bigger people. They want people who are tall. Don't you love it when people are tall? Chris Gullow? I love it when people are tall.
1: But it, it's kind of funny because a couple of these guys were also tall, very tall. But now i Bronson Reed. But like, but Zachary old Smith. Yeah, but old. Smith is a basketball player. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I actually don't know how tall the Giants and is, but I'm guessing he's tall by his name being the Giants <laughs> and Yeah,
2: uh, I, I would suggest if you are a wrestler with ambitions to wrestle in WWE, that you uh, that you get lifts, even if you're already tall, maybe brand yourself as the giant, something or other, or something like that. Brand yourself as tall. I would suggest that. That's uh, if you want to really, uh, uh, you know, raise raise the prospects of, of your getting not just signed, but but promoted to the main roster and have them actually do something with you beyond one week.
1: So, uh, and we actually uh, uh, Denise Salcedo put out a tweet. Um, and by the way, Hershey did an awesome job re-announcing for Game Changer Wrestling in uh, Los Angeles last night. Okay. Uh, but she, she uh, put out a, a tweet uh, with the list of all the releases in 2020 and 2021. And um, I don't know if you want me to read them all off. They're pretty just they're very long, very long as I've ever seen.
2: I think it's over 100 or something like that. Let's just do the, the 2022 WWE releases. All the wrestlers that WWE has released in 2022 not 2022, 2021.
1: Yep. So we have Bobby Fish, Mercedes Martinez, Leon Ruff, Tyler Rust, Bronson Reed, Jake Atlas, Ari Sterling, Kona Reeves, Zachariah Smith, Asher Hale, Giants engineer, uh, Stephon Smith, uh, Desmond Troy, Rick Flair, uh, Bray Wyatt, Chase Parker, Matt Martell, Killian Dane, Marina Schaefer, Artur Rias, uh, Kurt Stallion, Sunil Singh, Samir Singh, Lars Sullivan, Big Show, Steve Cutler, Andrade, Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, Samoa Joe, Kalisto, Chelsea Green, Mickey James, Tucker, Bo Dallas, Mojo Raleigh, Wesley Blake, Jessamine Duke, Kavita Devi, uh, Vanessa Bourne, Skylar Story, Ezra Judge, Alexander Wolf, Velveteen Dream, Braun Strowman, Lana, Betty, Buddy Murphy, Alistair Black, Ruby Riot, August Gray, Ara Davari, Tony Neese, Tyler Breeze, Fandango, Santana Garrett, and Tino Sabatelli.
2: Tino Sabatelli. Uh, we should mention that Samoa Joe did get re-signed or something. He's doing, he's clearly working again regularly regularly in NXT again. But, uh, but other than that, I think he's the only one that's been brought back. Um, yeah. So what does this mean? Is WWE getting ready for a sale? Should we revisit that quickly? Is WWE, has it, Maybe you can update us as the advocate for WWE selling. Chris Gallo. Since since our original discussion about this a few months ago, has WWE been acquired by a major media company?
1: Not yet. Not, okay. yet, not, not, yet. not
2: yet. Is Vince McMahon it, still it, it still alive? Happen. Is Vince McMahon still alive? He is, as far as we know. As far that as maybe may maybe maybe a a related factor. Uh, yeah. So uh, and and this is developmental talent. Surely it, it does cut costs. Um. But it, not as much as it would if WWE was cutting main roster talent. I guess I mean as far as the salaries that are being cut here. Um, are they? Is W cutting costs to remain profitable so that, that the company doesn't go out of business? Is that what's happening here?
1: Um, no. I mean, so I mean, I'm sure they're not because they go out of business. I'm, I'm sure they're cutting costs just because. I think is is
2: WWE a profitable the- business? Hundred percent. Is it? Is it not as profitable as it used to be, though? Isn't that the case, that it's not as profitable as it used to be? Nope, it's more profitable than ever. It it's more profitable than ever. But it's not as profitable as it was in the Attitude Era, right, when it was super, super popular, right? It's not that profitable, right? Uh, it's that profitable. It's more profitable than it was in the Attitude Era. Even if, yes, even if you adjust for inflation. I reran the numbers and brought it up to 2021 U.S. dollars, uh, yesterday, in fact. And... I mean, it, not that I expected it to be any different, but now we have the, the more up-to-date numbers when I was just, uh, I had last um, done the math, I guess, in 2019 uh, or maybe early 2020. Yes, even if you adjust for inflation, W's net income in 2020 and the estimate for this year is higher than it was in 1999 and 2000, which were the two most profitable years. I think that's what it is. It's it's either 98.99 uh, or it's ninety nine, two thousand. Uh, more profitable now than they were in those eras where you think of W being extremely popular, which it was more so than, much more so than today. Uh, so it's not an issue of, of making the company in the black to get them out of debt as, as you see, as I'm sure WrestleMania listeners for the most part are, are well aware, this company's doing well. It's just about making W more, even more profitable, which they have a, fiduciary duty to do in the interest of their investors if they want to uh, make investors happy and promote investment in their company, which is publicly traded. Um, I don't think that's, that's the whole story. I think, there's a, I think we'll get into it more. I, I think WB is doing quite a bit to uh, 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 prevent themselves from being even more profitable than they would be otherwise. Uh, which is hard to prove, but that's my opinion. And I think it's the opinion of a, of a lot of other people too. Um, so yes, I think that's what's happening. Um, so, uh, let's, uh, let's actually jump to the, uh, the PW insider note, and then we'll go back to the two slides that are before that. The, the P, PW insider had a note from Friday night about the future yes. of NXT.
1: Uh, there's been a lot of talks internally of major changes for the NXT brand, including a new logo, new lighting, a focus on younger talents, and a different format to the TV shows. This house cleaning uh, tonight appears to be part of those changes. Are we going to have challenges like keg, <laughs> the keg race? Yeah. You're talking about the,
2: the game show, the game show era. Yes, NXT. The,
1: the, the NXT game show, yep.
2: Yeah, I am I'm, I'm struck first by, by the idea that there would be a new logo for NXT. Uh, I, I I'm not ready yet to let go of the Wolfenstein logo that we currently have the Wolfenstein look. I hope I hope at least that uh, of of all these um, licenses that the Nikon is selling, I hope they sell a an, an NXT branded uh, uh, game level skin. To to like whatever the latest version is of Wolf 3D, I, I need that before we let go of this amazing branding that NXT has had lately. Or or maybe even you know what I got an, another great idea for for Nick Sell the NXT brand logo license to like a motorcycle company like Harley <laughs> like Harley Davidson NXT bikes. What about that, huh? Motocross or something? <laughs> what, wait 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 no I got it. Leather jackets, leather jackets. Yes. Where is the NXT leather jacket at w Uh, Anyway, so what do you, we'll, we'll, we'll jump into, I want to talk about NXT on USA and so forth, but why is this happening? What's, what's your, what's your, your assessment? Why, why is All NXT right. being sort of reconfigured here? Uh,
1: I mean, we'll, uh, you know, talk about it a little bit, but I actually did listen to the uh, wrestling observer radio last night. And, I, I agree with a lot of what Dave is reporting, except I think there's a third person involved that he's not really talking about much. He's saying that a lot of these are Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard agreeing with him and, you know, really just, you know, they lost, they lost against NA, or AEW and, you know, now we got to reevaluate what they could do and he's changing it to, it seems like to a more traditional WWE style of, you know, like, You know, we talked about, you know, a couple tall guys released, but like, let's just face it. In my perfect opinion, I I think the guy's a great wrestler. I never saw Alex Zane as a guy that Vince McMahon would put on Raw or SmackDown.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I just never did. And I think those type of guys are the ones that are really getting, you know, they're getting cut loose and all that. And I think with Bronson Reed, he looked impressive. They brought him up and Vince probably just didn't see it.
2: Yeah, I think there's been I mean, it's been pretty clear if you've been paying attention to W programming and right. if you've been paying attention to both NXT and the main roster for a while, you'll see that a lot of talent gets called up from from NXT and doesn't get used that well. Maybe in part because of the, the fact that Vince doesn't see uh, NXT as serving the main roster very well as a pipeline because because you've got in all likelihood two people who are making decisions. You got one person in NXT slash developmental. Making decisions to serve somebody else on the main roster, who seem to have diverging views of professional wrestling, uh, and I think you know Vince, and I, we're seeing uh, 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 sort of where we you're talking about what Dave said on Observer Radio uh, this morning that W wants to go back to, and and notice Johnny Ace is back in power that they want to go back to. That's and, who I think's really involved, really with these. I, I, th- I thought maybe he was much, but, but Pritchard and, and, um, and Lauren, Ice. Vince
1: is, yeah, was who we doubled down
2: on, but yeah. So we want to go back to, to people who are tall, maybe over six foot tall or over six foot two or something. People who are big because Vince sees, uh, that the widest possible, not just his own opinion, just happens. this is coincidence that it's, that's, that it's his own personal taste. I'm sure. But that the widest possible market will most readily accept people who are big and 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 mainly that big. And uh and maybe maybe for female talent he wants people who look more like supermodels or fitness models or something like that too I bet. Um rather than just having wrestling talent, which I think uh Paul Levesque somehow somehow uh you know got uh you know, got got himself into the opinion that that wrestling talent and what people like on the indies matters. So
1: uh, I got a question for you, Brandon. Um, how how successful was Bam Neely's WWE career? <laughs> or, or, or what about Jackson Andrews? Who's Jack? Or who's- you know what? Exactly. These are guys that were in the Lord era. They were tall. Okay. They showed up on television, and they lasted weeks. And then they were gone. And even like a guy like Ezekiel Jackson, love his Lucha Underground run. Mason another Ryan? Guy that didn't, Mason Ryan. There you go. There's another one. Like... This is this is what we have to look forward to. <laughs> All yeah. these guys out there right now that are getting cut in NFL training camps that are professional bodybuilders, they're uh, they're okay. they're they're gonna they're gonna get the opportunity other than these guys that are out there uh, working hard every weekend, traveling the roads, getting yes. better at their craft. So,
2: so let's talk about like what's causing this. And I think every wrestling fan wants to talk about AEW versus WWE and and the fact that. AEW beat NXT consistently in the ratings in the Wednesday Night War. Uh, almost every time in terms of key demo viewership, and most of the time in terms of total viewership in the uh, the seventy some odd weeks that those programs ran head to head from late 2019 to uh, April 2021. Uh, I think that's that's probably part of the story and part of the the perception in Vince's mind that you didn't. And by the way, they they're all only focused on themselves. Uh, but I don't believe that I believe WWE cares about what NXT or what AEW is doing to an extent, um, and probably to a a significant extent. Uh, so there's, there's that, but I think what's uh, a bigger, at least as big a piece of that is what happened, uh, earlier this year in March, where we got this press release Dateline, Stanford, Connecticut, March 30th, 2021, where, um, WWE at uh, NXT had a two-year deal that started in the fall of 2019 to be on the USA Network. USA Network's parent, obviously, is NBC Universal, And uh, that deal is coming, is coming to an end this fall. And in like two months, it'll, the first deal will, will expire. And they renewed. WWE renewed. And uh, they announced on March 30th that they've signed a multi-year extension. Now, we don't know how long it is, but it's multi-year. So at least two years uh and that this is when they also announced that W would move from two, from Wednesday to Tuesday and that began on April 13th and we don't we don't never got an idea of what WB's uh what WWE really got in terms of TV rights from uh from NBCU for NXT of course NXT was on the W network it was essentially the flagship show for the W network uh, for the first several years in in the, in the pre-peacock era. And um, they decided to move it away from being essentially an exclusive network show. Yes, it was on Hulu too, but move it away from the network to be on the USA network. And the public message was that this, why are they doing this? There was a lot of uh, worry from uh, stock analysts, media analysts, and investor types that why are you taking you know content that's exclusive or almost exclusive to the WWE Network and putting it on on television when you're trying to grow network subs. And I think the, the media analysts who aren't inundated in the wrestling industry every day uh, probably didn't appreciate the extent to which WWE wanted to compete head-to-head with AEW and sort of stamp out AEW's progress before it got too far. Uh, but the public message, and I think there's Legitimacy to this, that maybe NXT could grow into this third media rights brand in addition to Raw and SmackDown. Raw and SmackDown, as we mention these numbers probably almost every week, Raw is getting $265 million a year from NBCU. That's just in the US. SmackDown is getting $205 million from Fox. WWE makes, uh, I think last in 2020 made over $500 million, more than half of its revenue from Raw and SmackDown rights fees. To an extent, NXT is bundled in there too, but if you took NXT out, I don't think it would be a huge difference. Um, it would be a minimal difference. So, did NXT turn into this media rights brand? We got some, in the first place, there, were, there was speculation from, from stock analysts who covered WWE that the NXT deal to go to USA was worth maybe $50 million a year, Early estimates were a hundred million dollars a year and uh, I don't know how much it is and I don't know if it's if it's even all guaranteed or if it's to a great degree an ad revenue share um, but i my current belief is that it's worth well less than what aw is getting from Turner, which is 44 million dollars a year on an average annual basis I believe it's something probably closer in the neighborhood to 20 million dollars a year maybe something like that. Maybe not all guaranteed either. So that's, that's the first year, first year. That's what I believe about the first, not the first year, the first term, which is a two year term. Now that's, again, that is coming to an end this September and it's, and the new deal will go into effect. So that, so they announced this new deal this past March and was it an upgrade? Well, the stock price didn't move when this deal was announced. So at least the market didn't feel like it was a, a big deal. And they should, if this is a $50 million deal or a $100 million deal on an average annual basis, that would be a big deal. This is, a, that would be along the lines of WB's, uh second biggest global TV deal, which is India, $50 million a year they get from Sony in India, 50 If WB was really getting $50 million or something in that neighborhood for, for NXT on the USA network, I would think the stock market would respond. Uh, but the stock market didn't respond in March when this deal was announced or in early April when the stock market had the opportunity to, to react. And then we had the Q1 call on April 22nd and, uh, and uh, Stephen Cahill from Wells Fargo asked Christina yes. Salen, what was up with that? And why don't you read the, 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 uh, the exchange that is highlighted in yellow here. Yes. So uh, um,
1: Stephen uh, Cahill
2: said, you've uh, historically commented on a lot
1: of AAVs for these long-term big rights deals in the U S So just curious how the AV of NXT performed or was contracted based on what sort of baked into the uh, year of guidance. And her response was, with regards to NXT, yes. NXT was expected, obviously, because the uh, contract was up and it's within our guidance range that we provided. So there's no, there's, we're really pleased with that result. But there's nothing to update with regard to guidance on that front.
2: Yes, and typically you did not stammer through that she did. Um yes. Who who is let's just set the table here for people who may be unacquainted. Who is Stephen Cahill? Uh he is an analyst from Wells Fargo. Is he an investor in WWE?
1: That, that I do not know. I mean, I would imagine just you know yeah. for stocks and investments and analysts, but
2: Right. The, these people ask these questions are I don't know if any of them are investors. I, I know Morgan Stanley, probably. I think, I think, um, yeah, Morgan Stanley owns a piece of WWE, uh, and probably in the single digits of percent, low single digits. Uh, Wells Fargo, as far as I know, do not, does not does not know does not own uh, does not own W stock. These are investors who write analyses that are meant to help investors know what to do and make their own decisions based on their analysis. They're um,
1: financial and, influencers, if you really think about it.
2: Yeah, they uh, what the, what they say can can move, move yes. the stock price, um, and Christina Salen, who is that?
1: Uh, Christina Salen, she is the CFO of WWE.
2: What does, what does CFO stand for?
1: She financial officer.
2: Yeah, she's not uh, she's not the person who's producing the music. Well, no, um, no, they don't do it anymore. They don't even do it anymore. Okay, yeah. Uh, so, so basically, what what I read this to be saying uh, is that. Uh, Whatever the NXT deal was, the, the new deal is not, it was not a surprise to them. It was not, maybe not even, uh, the number is too small to even really affect their guidance. So when they talk about guidance here, they're talking about their profit projections. They're telling, they have told investors that we're gonna, we expect a profit between, uh, this range on the low end and this range on the high end. It's something like, it's something like $270 million to $300 million in, in, the, in adjusted OEBA, which is their favorite way of, uh, Uh, measuring profit where they get to exclude certain things that they just feel like excluding uh so the nxt deal number one was not a surprise to them What they got nbc to agree to for nxt was not a surprise to them and perhaps it's just too small money to make that big of a difference anyway to, to change uh the range of what they expect their profitability to be um third if it was a really great deal you would think they don't necessarily have to Get it, give them given up. Certainly, they wouldn't report a number on these earnings calls or in the press release, but they could have at least, if it was a great number, celebrated it in some way or given some indication about how happy they were about it. And I know she's happy, say, saying that uh, we're really pleased with that result. But it wasn't wasn't a highlight in the press release. It was. It only came up because a stock analyst asked about it, um, and naturally, because this is NXT rights or something that has been hyped in the past or been justified. Uh, they justify putting on the USA Network with the idea that they would be able to grow this third brand as a major media rights producer. Um, so we don't get any sort of hype. It's not leaked to to the Hollywood Reporter or to Sports Business Journal that this is a, a big deal, which you think if this was a big deal, something like that might happen, but it didn't. So I think what happened here, not just that, yes, NXT did not win the Wednesday Night War. AEW did and NXT did not transform itself into just being some hybrid version of developmental and good content for the W network into being you know whatever value that has into being this real tangible value of producing uh you know dozens of millions of dollars in in media rights every year so that's not happening uh, NXT did not turn into this third media rights brand yet. It's still on, on USA network. Okay. It's probably producing some money. I would, you know, again, I would guess somewhere around $20 million a year. doesn't sound like it got a major upgrade. And I think that's sort of the financial tangible quantifiable, if you want to call it failure or that didn't meet its its expectations. Um, So it, it, it makes sense in a, in a way to sit here and say, well, you're not producing all this money for us, all this revenue for us that we hoped that you would. Uh, there, I guess there's another chance in the future, but but really what what Vince wants is, is developmentally he wants talent that's going to feed his main roster brand. Meanwhile, he's also not been happy, apparently, by reading the tea leaves of what ha- what happens on Raw and SmackDown. He's not been happy with what NXT is producing for him. Um, and it sounds like we're going to go back to the John Laurinaitis philosophy of, of big people. Uh, athletes, uh, bodybuilders, maybe fitness models, maybe, uh, and physical
1: specimens. That's right.
2: People who are Mm -hmm. tall. Um, and let's, let's think about too. It's not as if triple H has all along been this advocate for great independent non-rest, non, non non-WE talent and non, non, uh, bodybuilder sports specimen, talent. It, it, it seems to me that, that, you know, Triple H was more along the lines of that kind of thinking years ago when he, when he first took over developmental, I, I, I like to bring up how in 2014, when he started doing those media calls, how he talked about how the, the independent uh, talent becomes less and less of a factor all the time. He said in 2014, right before, I think it was the very first takeover or the second takeover and how it was uh, an effort to reteach people, out of their wrong indie style into our good superior WWE style. And then later in 2014, um, in part just because of, I think, the development of media and the increasing ubiquity of smartphones and everybody's increasing connection to the internet. Increasingly wrestlers like Kevin Owens and Finn Balor got reactions in their debuts at full sale. People with no WWE exposure prior to their debuts in NXT got big reactions. And I think this, maybe along with other things, uh persuaded Triple H to look at talent differently. And it ultimately really turned into NXT being able to take takeover events, their peak events, into major basketball arenas and sell out when they sold out the first takeover uh at a major arena in Brooklyn in in August 2015. Um so I think Triple H had an evolution, if you will, in how he views talent. Um, I don't know what he really believes at this point. I really hope that Paul of X someday writes an honest book. Uh, but I don't know what he, what he really believes about talent, what the best way is to go. I, I do believe that he, if if Vince retired today and spent the rest of his life isolated on a yacht, that, that main roster would look more like NXT. And I do think that is a, what do I mean by that? I, I, I mean, Less of a focus, not, not that it's a non-factor, but less of a focus on size, which is basically what we see in NXT, where you get people like Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano pushed as, as top champions. Um, so less of a focus on size and less of a concern on size and, and a higher priority on, um, on wrestling ability and, uh, charisma, promo ability, personality. Not that there's not sort of a priority on that, but, but Vince's, um, inability to plan and execute long-term stories and, uh, and a general inauthenticity and over reliance on scripting. I think there would be less of that if, uh, if Paul Levesque was uh, in charge of the main roster creative. And I think that is a better way to attract the largest possible audience. And Vince has always had that preference for bodybuilders and big people and less of a concern for wrestling talent, uh, and that is his personal preference. And, uh, he believes that that is the preference of the wise possible audience, but he's wrong. And he, and that's become increasingly wrong over time. Uh, what, what happens too, is that in 2014, you had all this talent that was backed up and couldn't get into WWE because of WWE's previous philosophy of, of valuing people who are huge and not necessarily great wrestlers. So we had all these years where WWE and and to an extent they influenced TNA to be this way too. Um, We had all this talent backed up who couldn't get into WWE and it helps the indies flourish. It helped other non-W companies flourish like Ring of Honor and to an extent TNA. And then when Triple H started to change his philosophy, he was able to harvest all this talent that had been backed up outside of his company and to bring them into his company. And uh, it, it super served a type of fan who was unhappy, unsatisfied with how main roster programming was going. And it helped build NXT into a, a brand that could put on shows in major arenas that would sell out or cl- come close to selling out in the form of NXT takeovers in conjunction with a pay-per-view weekend. But also, uh, you know, it, it became an important program to help grow the network network wouldn't have been as strong. Not that the network was a success. It wasn't, but it, it wouldn't have been as strong without NXT. And it was able to even turn into a a live event touring brand. Now, I don't know how to what extent that national tour was profitable, but it was probably those national events probably could have been run at a profit. The Largo events I think are just a, a loss leader to, to, to the Largo loop events were just, I think a loss leader to, to give people experience. Um, But I think it's not as if Triple H was a genius, but Triple H just uh, realized that good talent is good talent, and they hadn't been acknowledging—I don't know if you would put it this way—but they hadn't been acknowledging how good the talent was out there. And now he had the ability to bring them all in. He he benefited from the lack of from from the poor assessment of talent of the regime that came before him, that was led by John Laurinaitis and influenced by Vince McMahon. Uh, and you he was take able. To, another, oh, go And he was able to benefit from that. And eventually, the Indies were harvested almost completely. The cream was scraped off the top between the years of 2014 and let's say 2018, 19. And uh, for the for the good of the Indies, I mean, if if WB goes back to the the 2010 philosophy, let's say, the Indies the U S Indies for, for one thing, which are in, in great need of, of more talent, I think are in a better position to, I, I joked to one promoter that if, uh, like a month or two ago that, well, well, hopefully with John Lerner and is coming back to power. They'll, they'll go back to ignoring people with talent and that'll re- revitalize the Indies, which are in need of being revitalized after being harvested for the last few years.
1: I mean, yeah, well, first of all, I agree with you on that. Uh, one thing I, I want to say is I, I, I don't know if triple H ever changed his philosophy that maybe he didn't always believe this, but because I think the Sinkara failure was like a stop and start for him. I feel like if that would have worked, he would have been able to do what he was doing in 2014 and 2012 and 2013. Um, but I think because it just didn't work, I think that, that, that definitely hurt him. Um, but I also say too. I mean, look at the timeline. 2014. Not only was it, you know, Triple H was starting to like kind of gain power to do this, but the business of TNA drastically changed at that point. There were no longer this on Spike TV getting a million mm-hmm. viewers, and
2: because they and- self destructed,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, much like WCW yeah. before them. <laughs> yeah, so it was like a perfect mix of mm-hmm. that. But yeah, but yeah, I, like that. I feel I felt like this was going this way back in like 11 and 12 when he signed like signed and but obviously it didn't work out. And I wonder if that, that was the hesitation of why it took so many a few years.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Um, I, I think there's something else happening here. That is just sort of the hubris and arrogance of, of, of WWE that they, this notion that WWE knows the right way. And if you didn't do it our way, you're not doing it right. And you're, you're not doing it in a way that's going to be, as marketable as it could be. Um, which I think is, it's, it, it creates this false hierarchy. And, and I think that's, that, that has also kind of existed in, in, WWE in the last few years too, where, you know, it's, I think it, it really hurts the ability to grow stars and to create marketable talent. Uh, when you've got to go through this, this, Huge and way too complicated system where you get into the PC and then maybe you get in, get onto TV if you please the right people in all of their subjective opinions. And then maybe after a few years of doing that, uh, but by, by which, you know, all the while you're getting older, you finally get to, uh, to the main roster and that, and then you've got to, you know, please the tastes of Vince McMahon who has very different tastes from the people who you had to please before. It, it, you know, there is no central, uh, philosophy, it seems. everybody agrees on i think this has got a a much more outdated philosophy than than the nxt people do and uh you know it 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 complicates and slows down the ability to cultivate stars which is one problem among there are other problems with uh developing stars and stories that people care about which is never going to happen in any to any strong degree in my view while vince is the head of creative um and i think this is this adds to the pile of reasons why I'm not that optimistic about WB's future. Uh, in terms of its 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 holding on to its huge lead in the wrestling space as the industry leader, I think that 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 lead is going to narrow over time. And uh, however you want to measure that, we're going to measure it in ratings in September, and it's going to get smaller. <laughs> um, you know, if if Vince Vince has turned seventy six this month, did you know that? Uh, for what it's worth. And uh, you know, not that there's anything wrong with being old as, as I get older here. As, as time goes on here, it's going to continue to limit the ability to which main roster WWE, uh, which controls the majority of their revenue, Ron Smackdown, generate the majority of their revenue. It's going to limit the the extent to which they're able to generate stars. And uh, W can talk about all they want, about how, they're a media company that sells IP. The last I checked their SEC filings, their biggest source of revenue is core content. And that core content is not for movies or reality TV series or uh any biographies or um you know, licensing uh talent to do cameo videos. It's for in-ring programming. It's for wrestling. And uh it's it it it's kind of connected to, I think WWE's problem with their brand and that they're, you know, you kind of see it. Uh, I think the voice of wrestling were we're putting over how uh, th- not that this is a big deal, but that the, the the six man that happened on dynamite, which involved Daniel Garcia, who we trained full disclosure, but how that's just sort of acknowledged to a small subset of fans uh, that, you know, other universes in this wrestling world exist. Whereas, WWE is is totally the opposite. They're not embracing that other that other things in wrestling exist. They're trying to deny and transcend wrestling and to not be involved in wrestling. And I think Vince barely pays attention to any wrestling that he's not uh, involved with and he's not sitting at the grill watching live. They want to distance themselves from wrestling and not be wrestling. And uh, as your as your ARPU increases, as your audience gets smaller, and your Remaining audience becomes more hardcore and spends more money per person. Uh, that philosophy, that way of viewing the business becomes outdated more every day. And is it going to come to a point where AEW meets or exceeds them in terms of popularity in some consumer metrics? Maybe. And it becomes more likely because of the way uh, you know Vince uh, holds his philosophy and influences others in his company to, uh, to make decisions. All right. Uh, if we want to move on to uh,
1: just uh, the news of the official news of Canyon Siemens replacement, uh, Trent Wolfinger, he actually uh, tweeted that he was excited to share that he'll be joining the WWE as a new senior vice president of talent, ID, and development. I look forward to working side-by-side with James Kimball under the leadership of Triple H to bring uh, to life a game-changing vision and strategy. Another guy with a big sports background. If those of you, like, not familiar, James Kimball, uh was the actually vice president of operations of the UFC performance Institute and Trent Wolfinger um, most recently, I think it was a pro elite sports, but also was game operations director with the Arizona coyotes and the Arizona diamondbacks.
2: Wow. So very good. You're, you're on top of this. Chris call. I uh, will tell you why I know a lot about James Kimball after the show. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh So yeah. Th- and this is maybe somebody who's replacing some or all the duties that can Seaman had. I don't know. Uh, but Cannon Seaman, as I think we, we alluded to on one program, and he hadn't really been, uh, let go from WWE, but now he has, uh, left WWE. So maybe this is somebody who's, who's, taking over some of those duties, uh, if not all of them. Uh, and I just wanted to revisit, there is an article on, uh, com that came out way back in November that where we analyzed, uh, all the data that we could from Cage Match going all the way back to 2000 through, through the present at that moment, November 2020. Uh, just looking at, you can see, in terms of uh, of data, how W's philosophy on on what talent to to promote to the main roster has changed over time. Where peop, uh, wrestlers who had most of their experience, well, will, will this be clear? Well, you know what I'm talk, talking about when I phrase it this way. Most of the wrestlers, a little bit, yeah. It's let's say the question is, did I have okay before I went to the main roster, which we define as you having 10 main roster matches? Before I went to the main roster. What, what made up the majority of my experience at that point? Was it mostly non we system matches or was it mostly WE system matches, i.e. developmental, W developmental? Yeah. And, and so if you're, you're a, what we might call a non universe wrestler versus a WBE system wrestler, the majority from, from 2000 where the, 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 the middle point seems to be 2007 to, to 29, 20, 2009 or so. So in that first decade of the 2000 in the, in the 2000s it's mostly um non-universe people who uh who make it to the main roster but it becomes increasingly towards 2010 w system people but then after that yeah. point the trend largely reverses uh to the point where it's it's sort of at a, at, a, at a low or tied with a low in in 2020 at least when we measured it in November where 81% of the wrestlers who had their tenth main roster match, eighty-one percent of them had the majority of their experience from non-WB matches. But, but, and I think this speaks to how how Vince assesses talent. the The majority is that the right would that be correct to say? Yeah, the majority of those non-WB people who made it to the main roster, the majority of them were just used to flesh out B shows like 205 Live and N W main Event, whereas those who were WWE system people who got promoted to the main rostered in, in recent years were more likely to spend more of their time on the A shows Ron SmackDown. All right. We could have we, we should have done this analysis by height too. That would have been helpful. <laughs> All right, if I
1: move on to the Gullo report. Mm-hmm. this is my time to shine here it's ratings talk uh we'll start with uh smackdown here and uh this is a uh, smackdown with the old over- well, this is your estimation after the overnight correct correct yeah
2: it will always be this yeah yeah
1: yeah so yeah so uh about 2000 000- i'm sorry two million one hundred fifty thousand. Uh, yeah so 2 2.1 and a half million uh compared to last week which did about two uh a little over 2 million, about 40,000 over that. So a little bit of an increase for SmackDown as uh, John Cena continues to be part of these
2: programs. So Right. And let's, while you're talking about SmackDown, let's jump to this slide where um, we're now at a point where, where SmackDown is doing considerably better than I thought it would be. Uh, I expected, I've been saying this probably for weeks on end, I expect. These ratings to be back to the level of, you know, the last weeks of the Thunderdome by the middle of August. And today today it's August 8th, so there's still time. Uh, But uh, SmackDown is they got a bump. They got a jump from the return to touring and it hasn't fallen back down to the Thunderdome level yet. Uh, They're over two million and they were doing under two million in those last few weeks of the Thunderdome. So maybe I was being too pessimistic. And uh, we'll talk about Raw, too, which I think is next.
1: Yeah, so uh, to Monday Night Raw here, they did uh, well, a little over one point eight million uh, with a point five one in the eighteen to forty nine. Uh, compared that to the week before, just a little over one point eight million as well with a point four nine and the uh, eighteen to forty nine,
2: So not much movement there between July twenty sixth and August second. Right. So, and what we see here, and I've pulled out the uh, oh boy, I don't know if I can make this big enough. Let's see. I'm pulling out the Russellonomics viewership spreadsheet, which you can get access to at uh at patreon dot com slash Russellnomics. And uh, if we look, let's see here. Only five dollars a month. What a deal! Yeah, and you get access to my uh, almost daily reports on on the ratings, which is where where the ratings news is being broken. Uh, this is where the ratings information comes from. Uh, let's see here. So raw, as you said, one point eight million viewers this week, uh, but also did 657,000 in 1849, which is up from the prior week up from the prior week. So raw up very, very slightly, almost identical in total viewership, uh, but up more by percent uh, in terms of the key ad demo 18 to 49. So you see this in Raw and in SmackDown, where you know the ball has bounced and, and it's, it seems like it's hitting the floor here. It's not continuing to fall down, uh, and we see that. We'll see what happens on Monday. We'll get uh, final numbers for SmackDown on Monday too. But the uh, the one hour did a point five in the demo. The other hour did a point six. So uh, that probably you know that's obviously a point five five average. and It'll probably be a little bit higher. Uh, in the final. So maybe maybe they did like a point six, Which would come out to. What would that come out to? That would come out to a pretty good number. Uh, do we have anything that's done like a point? Yeah. A few weeks ago on the 16th. So this was the first show back to touring. They did a point six six, Which was over 800, 850,000. Uh, 1849 viewers. Uh, so I don't know. I would expect maybe something around the high 700s. Or low 800s in terms of uh, 1849. So we'll see. Smackdown and Raw. Seem to be hitting their their plateau, as opposed to falling back down further towards the numbers that they were doing at the end of the Thunderdome era. So, uh, you know, I, I, I am starting to feel like, well, maybe I was being too pessimistic here, uh, expecting, uh, Ross Macdonald to, to, to not be as benefited long-term by the return to touring. And there, there clearly is a, a coincidental, at least uh, increase. It helps to have John Cena. Maybe it helps to have Goldberg, uh, but we'll see, uh, how they do in the weeks to come. They're doing better than I expected.
1: All right. And uh, we're going to move on to NXT, all this NXT talk. Well, how are they doing on sci fi with the Olympics, which are actually wrapping up today? So uh, yeah. they'll be back on USA uh, this Tuesday. But on sci fi, they did 520,000 with a uh, 0.10 in 18 to 49. Uh, almost very similar numbers, 520,000 with a 0.1, uh, 0.12 in the uh, 18 to 49 uh, last week. So
2: Exactly the same total of viewership on sci fi. Um, I don't think there's much of anything to read here, except for I expected these numbers to be lower too. I expected NXT on Sci-Fi to be under 500,000, and here they did an identical 520,000 on both uh, both preemption nights. All right, and then uh, moving
1: on to Dynamite, which continues to have impressive ratings since fans are back here. They actually did 1.1 million. Uh, in the uh 18 to 4, I'm saying the 18 to four, I did a 0. 0.46, but 1.1 <laughs> million overall. Yeah, well, I can imagine that. Uh, but 1.1 1. 1 million overall, you know, the P2, and then uh 0. 0.46 uh, 6 in 18 to 49 compared to the week before, What it did uh, you know one point one hundred ten thousand with a 0. 0.45. So very similar numbers, but very, uh, very good for uh AEW to continue this trend.
2: Yeah, um. Like some of this is sort of a groundswell of, of people knowing, okay, CM Punk and maybe Brian are on their way. Um, But they're just, you know, also in the view of many people who we hear talk about the show, they're putting on a good show that people watch and, and like to watch. And I know it's uh, it sounds dumb, but if you put on a good show, maybe it encourages people to watch it again. All right. And um, then, uh, I, guess, I guess we could yeah, add to. I think we were talking about a little bit before we started recording that it's um, the reaction that I get. And obviously this, this is disproportionate. I'm not just being facetious here, being sarcastic. But on, the, the reaction that I get on Twitter uh, for some things is disproportionate when it, when it comes to AEW. Obviously, you see that bared out here where, you know, e- even though we're talking about these good numbers for AEW, uh, it's half of what, they're, what SmackDown is doing still. Right. In terms of total viewership, 1.1 million to nearly 2.2 million maybe this week for, for SmackDown. Right. So it's about double. Uh, SmackDown does about double what, what Dynamite does. But when I report the the ratings for what's worth, when I report the ratings for Raw or for SmackDown, including when I reported the ratings for, well, I was very interested in what the number would be on the first first numbers on the return to touring with with fans in attendance. And you expect you know they've been saying for for months and for a year and a half that the problem with the ratings is we just don't have our fans and wrestling is you can't really do wrestling without the fans. And now they finally got the fans back. And I reported the ratings. I was very interested and excited. And the, the response in terms of, you know, our readership and listenership was not as strong for those numbers as I maybe expected they would be. But the AW Dynamite number, even here now, you know, we're, we're weeks out from the return to touring, and AW's return to touring was far more gradual than WWE's was, so it wasn't as abrupt of a novelty as it was for WWE. But every time I, I, I report these ratings and I tweet the, the link out and the number out, uh, there's this huge explosion of all degrees of, of reactions all all different varieties of emotion happening quote tweets and so forth. Uh it's a huge reaction, far bigger than the reaction to the ratings for WB. Why is that? Um I have an inkling. What do you think, Golo?
1: Well, I just I mean I I think the interest in AEW as a brand is just increasing. People are are tuning in. It's fresh, it's different. Uh and it's it's funny because, like, the people that would like to hate on AEW, whenever they get a rating like this, usually say, like, oh, it's because they had Shaq or they had Mike Tyson or, oh, the first episode with fans or, oh, it's the f- debut. The, none of those are factors right now. This is just them putting on a solid dynamite week after week after week. Like, there is no is it, giant it, wait, but Wait,
2: Mick. Isn't it possible that Tony Khan could be uh using his family money to set up televisions around the country... That that you know just increase the ratings artificially, is that a possibility?
1: I heard that. I heard what was the other rumor? The, the other ridiculous thing that that he bought most of the tickets in Chicago
2: or something yeah. like that. Yeah, <laughs> like it's ridiculous. Or 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 the, the ratings aren't real numbers or something. I don't know. Anyway, um, Nielsen is a sample, as we'll talk about in a moment when we talk about impact, and that's that. That is an issue sometimes. Uh, but when you're talking about bigger audiences, it's not as much of an issue. Um, I, I think what's happening is there's a section of fans. Let's not try to figure out how big they are, or how important they are at the moment, but there's a section of fans for whom, uh, I, I you know I've talked about it before they, they want to see economic justice or creative justice. They want to, they want it, but they're rooting for the brand AEW. Uh, they want to like wrestling. They haven't liked a lot of the wrestling that, that WWE has put out. They haven't felt, Embraced by WWE in a lot of ways, and they want to see an alternative brand that's independent from WWE. And and, and I think these same sort of people supported NXT in its rise as a brand as well. But they want to see a, a separate company, independent of WWE, that embraces wrestling and embraces the wrestling community, embraces wrestling fandom to a greater degree. They want to see that brand succeed. They're rooting. There's there are people who are rooting for the business of AEW. Besides this 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 stuff that you see on screen, the sort of the normative narrative about, you know, are you, are you into John, you know, uh, Adam page and Kenny Omega, are you rooting for, you know, jungle boy? Are you interested in seeing, uh, in CM punk? There's a, there's a separate interest that is particular just to our content. I guess it's not as, as significant to everything else, but that there's people, well, I think it is, it is significant in some ways to the brand, to the, to the. To promotion of the brand, organic promotion of the brand among fans to other potential fans, right, and that people want to see this company succeed, not that there aren 't people ho oh, yeah. ho as soon as I say that i can feel I can feel that the, the Twitter mentions right there are people who want to see w succeed, believe me, there are all right, I know, I know, okay i know i i don 't know I just think in today
1: 's world, there is a lot of we talk about the key demo but we got to break down the wrestling fan base demos in that too, right? There's people that want nostalgia. There's people that want the more hardcore deathmatch, There's people that want the Lucha stylus and that. And I, and I think, and you know, AEW to the greatest extent, NXT did a good job at, at, for a while, but AEW to the greatest extent tries to hit all those niches, niches in a two hour program. Um, and, and I mean, just, I'll just put it this way. Hoover to Guerrero was presented last Wednesday, the way I wanted him to be presented and not on a lone mom or in a jumpsuit. Like,
2: like, like, not that we did that recently, but, but your no, point but, remains, not, not that they wouldn't do it recently. <laughs> my, my, my point is, is that if they just,
1: they hit a lot of niches and they, in in you know, I've been raving this week, you uh, you know, Obviously, we, we both tuned into Di- you know Dynamite, you know the C Garcia, but I, I'm I, I I think Matt Lee from 2.0 is one of the most underrated talkers in the business. The guy just oozes charisma, and here's a guy that they they just they let go. He, he took anything they gave him in NXT, the coffee mugs and the building the house, and and I thought it made it great. And then here's they they give him a platform like as soon as they can in AEW, and you could see it. You know, I don't know.
2: Then there's two other things too here is, is, you know, the extent to which NXT did serve as an alternative to main roster for fans who were not that happy with main roster, it served as an alternative. It sounds like the future of NXT from this point forward will be less so that if, uh, if the, if the talent recruitment and the, and the talent elevation is going to be different. Um, And secondly, that's in terms of what they're serving fans. So maybe that, it at least doesn't infringe that much on what Dynamite is doing or what AW is doing. And and secondly, in terms of talent recruitment in general, I haven't understood for a while, other than money, why, if you're a young wrestler with ambition and talent, why, why would you sign with WWE and not pursue uh, growing your career in other ways, at least before Going there and, and making you know making them want you because they they can't have you and they and they want to keep you away from somebody else. Uh, I don't get um, it. Sh-
1: Sh- Sugar Duncanson actually put a tweet out last night. He listed the seven wrestling companies that are have TV, and he included NWA in that. You know, so WB, AEW, AW, Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. Impact, Nwmlw, and WWE is the only one that doesn't allow wrestlers to work independence. <laughs> Like And he's like, that just shows you there. Like, you know, they want people to get different. All these other companies want people to get different experience, go out there. I'm sure some of it's financial, too. Some of these companies know they can't give guys contracts to be exclusive. But I just, I think it's the my way or the highway method of WWE. And you're really seeing this with these NXT cuts and this rebranding.
2: Yeah, I guess. I mean, like, if if you're a young wrestler who's got a lot of talent and you believe, I think there are a lot of wrestlers yes we we hear this all the time right like it's my childhood dream to main event Wrestlemania and work for WWE and this this seems to be a factor too but that WWE that you that you grew up watching is is different it's different than, than the WWE that I grew up watching and I think there's a lot of wrestlers who believe in themselves naturally a lot of wrestlers who end up doing well and being ambitious have a strong belief in their own talents and abilities right uh, but um I think a lot of them think that. Well, they'll be maybe if they're aware of of the problems that W E has in our view or my view anyway. I don't want to project onto you, go and, and undermine your ability to uh, to win the TikTok contest. But uh.
1: um, I <laughs> deleted my video. I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't like the way it came off. I deleted it. I'm probably on a list. I like to say I'm on a list. Yeah. yeah I enjoy a lot of WB programming. I watch a lot. I I I. There's a lot of people I like that work there. Yeah. I'm, I, I know I'm. A, I sometimes come off anti duty I don't mean that. I just come off of what I like to see as a product. What's fresh to me,
2: you know. But but anyway, so. if you're a young wrestler with ambition, I think he, I think there's a tendency for some wrestlers to believe that. Well, I'll be the exception. And even though I know the other people have problems and they get pushed right and handled right, didn't get, you know? Didn't get the right opportunity. But I'll be different. Vince will get me. I think Vince is not going to get you. You're not going to be the one that that's that's gonna finally help Vince see the light. You're not going to be the one that he figures out, but he sees you differently than all the others. Vince isn't going to get you unless you're Mm -hmm. a bodybuilder and you're related to somebody who he employed in the past. He's probably not going to get you. And, uh, and if you want to work for W eventually, I think you'd you'd be better off. Even if you do want to work for W eventually, you'd be better off uh, growing your name and your abilities and your brand outside of WWE and making them pursue you to a stronger degree later. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So actually
1: you have uh, kind of go back to dynamite. You do have yeah. a, bra- uh, the a huge the four tangent. Hours. There. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's been a very NXT centric episode. Well, yeah. t- t- talk about it. <laughs> t-
2: tell me what the impact rating was real quick.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. We, we'll do the impact rating real quick, here. Um, uh, one hundred three thousand point oh four in eighteen forty nine. Um, slightly down, very slightly down from the week before, one hundred ten thousand point oh two. Uh, in so the uh, 18- th-
2: there are three impact ratings on Axis that are lower than this. One is the July first program error episode. The other two are the nights in twenty twenty in September of twenty twenty when NXT was preempted and, and aired on Tuesday when NXT was, or when impact was still on Tuesday. So uh, this is, you know, sort of the third, this is sort of the lowest rating ever in terms of a genuine rating. I think there's a, there's a, maybe it's tied, um, but we're getting into, you know, lowest ratings ever here. Territory, uh, without, without extenuating circumstances, uh, the, the, the 18 to 49 is all over the place here. Uh, it's like, it's up 176% from last week. Uh, the median age is all over the place. The median age was 60 last week. It's now like 48 again this week. I think it's you know, Nielsen uses a sample to determine these results, right? And the the smaller your actual audience is, the smaller the sample is to determine these results. So therefore, the more volatile these these numbers tend to be when we're talking about smaller audiences. Uh, we're talking about 100,000 viewers here, uh, as opposed to Dynamite's doing over a million 10 times that, as opposed to Ron's Mac down there that are doing nearly twenty times that. So, so hey, take these numbers saying, for, for Brandon, what they're worth. Is Jay White's not a draw? Kenny Omega's not a draw. <laughs> Jay White's not a draw. I, I don't know. Whatever you want. Yeah. Quote treat me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we go to the uh,
1: quarter uh, hour breakdowns here, and uh, yeah. um, I mean the the, the the biggest quarter hour was a. Uh, was the uh 1.26 which did which was the conclusion of jericho and hoovi where wardlow attacked jericho and then mjf cut the promo and then you had the penta phoenix andrade promo uh and then yeah, uh that's, that's the funny. pre six-man tag intros.
2: I, I don't have a lot to say about this there was another direct tv air uh at about 8:49 p.m eastern time during the the blade and the christian match um that happened for about ninety seconds or something like that, uh, but it was actually so that was that was Q four. Uh, it didn't have a, a massive effect on that quarter, like like it did last week when when Directv feed went out. Um, main event grew grew viewership after the sort of the the middle two thirds of the show slightly decreased over time. So people were apparently interested in seeing the Cody and Malachi Black uh, match. So yeah, they their peak was just over 1.2 million. All right, and
1: uh, you have a nice little chart here of the uh, the uh, top uh, impact. Uh, I'm sorry, not impact top AEW ratings here. Yeah, I guess we should have mentioned this uh, a moment
2: ago when we were talking about AEW. That so this where does this most recent episode land in terms of top most highly viewed episodes? Uh, this is the number six, the sixth like. biggest audience ever for AEW, uh, and in terms of total audience, but in terms of eighteen to forty nine, this is the third, mm. the third, the third biggest, almost tied for second. Uh, it's October ninth, fourth, fourth
1: biggest, really? Yes, because you have a uh, um October second, and then uh, it's uh. October 9th, and then – oh, and July 28th. Oh, no, never mind. That's less. Never mind. I did the math wrong. Yeah,
2: you're right. Okay. You're right. It How is- did I doubt you? You're the math guy. <laughs> I make mistakes a lot. It is the third biggest 1849 audience uh, ever. Um, I guess we should talk about this. I didn't even think to put this on the lineup because we're over an hour here, so we got to get done soon. But um, Rampage debuts this week. Yes. Predictions? Uh, I think I think steady state. Uh, all things equal, that by that I mean no CM Punk or or Daniel Bryan. Uh, five hundred thousand to fifty, but but debut will be different. Debut will have a nov- novelty factor of let's say yeah. of let's say twenty percent or so. So if I bring out the calculator. Which now everybody I mean, oh, Let's not do that.
1: Let's I'm to- saying like six hundred thousand.
2: I think that's. Let's just multiply this about by where now. you're going to land. One point two. Six hundred thousand. There you go. I agree. Um, yeah. What do you think for? Uh, let's let's we, we can revise this next week. But episode two at the United Center.
1: Uh, if there's no official announcement made that he's there, just for the curiosity to surprise, uh, s- but Friday night ten o'clock, I'd say seven fifty.
2: Seven fifty, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad for an over under. Six hundred this week, seven fifty next week. Um, yeah. If you if you want to eighteen to forty nine, because that's the only thing that matters. Uh, just just slice it in half. I would say roughly three hundred uh, and what would half of. Three fifty B or seven fifty, that's uh, three twenty five, right? Yeah. No, no, it's three seventy. What what is seven hundred and fifty divided by two? Oh, oh.
1: three
2: seventy five. Three seventy five. That's three seventy five. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh live event attendance. Let's just blow through this. Um, okay. um <laughs> Raw in Chicago did well. Over twelve thousand distributed. Uh SmackDown in Tampa on Friday night, nearly nine thousand distributed. Uh there's a house show on Saturday night, uh over five hundred and six or over five hundred and five thousand six hundred distributed. Uh SmackDown was back at Daly's place this past Wednesday, twenty five hundred, which I heard someone say was the biggest audience ever. Uh, at at Daily's Place. Obviously, that's well below what they've been doing on, on tour. Uh, Charlotte was, was their biggest Dynamite yet since the return to touring uh, the week prior at uh, nearly 7,000 distributed. Um, that's events that have happened in the past. Upcoming events, we have uh, Pittsburgh with uh, both Dynamite and Rampage this week, right? So expect a lot of Britt Baker here. Uh, they're currently... Uh, configured for just over 5,000 both nights, Uh, and there are a few hundred under 5,000 for each night. Uh, There's a house show in Gainesville tonight, which might might be looking like having the smallest WWE audience yet. Uh, Looks like they're configured for under 3,000 at the moment. Uh, 2,200 are out at the moment for Gainesville, Florida. Um, But Raw in Orlando, well over 7,000. They'll probably end up around 8,000 or just over for raw in Orlando. And then Tulsa, I feel like I'm doing the, uh, the road report on, on like some weekend show right now. Uh, and then in mm-hmm. Tulsa, WWE SmackDown comes to Tulsa, Oklahoma, 5,263 currently out 757 still available. And, uh, yeah. And obviously the United center sold out this week as, uh, we probably al- alluded to was likely last week, uh, 13,656 appear to be out for that show uh which which puts it in the company of of the few shows that uh have over 10,000 tickets uh out that are upcoming. And uh, we actually have if this is I mean it will we'll, it will probably not end up this way when, when when all is said and done but we as far as events upcoming in in the future that currently have 10,000 or more tickets distributed. There are one, two, three, four, five of those shows and one, two, three of them are AEW. Two of them are WWE. Of course, SummerSlam is by far the leader. Uh, Over 44,000 tickets are out for Las Vegas uh, SummerSlam. But AEW's got Chicago. Over 13,000 has got Newark, New Jersey. Over 10,000. WWE London, which will be a Raw in September, September 20th, has over 14,000. And Dynamite in Queens at Arthrash Stadium in Flushing, someone explained to me what the difference is or what the, uh, the taxonomy is between Flushing and Queens. But anyway, Arthur Ashe Stadium, over 17,000 out, which is the, the second uh, biggest attendance at this point uh, next to SummerSlam.
1: <sighs> India. All right. Yeah. yeah India. Euro, Eurosport uh, India, to be exact, uh, signed a deal with AEW. Uh, they acquired the uh, broadcasting rights to AEW, uh, and it's going to be a weekly wrestling app program in India. Um, and it looks like it'll begin on August 15th from Dynamite.
2: So AEW finally has as TV. As well. Finally has TV in India, according to AEW senior vice president of business strategy, Chris Harrington. He said that people were asking uh, on social media all the time, asking Tony Schiavone or something about when they're going to have TV in India. Well, apparently, starting. Uh, two weeks from now, they will have TV in India. Uh, second biggest market for WWE in terms of TV. Who knows what they're getting here for for Eurosport. Who owns Eurosport? Chris Gullo, do you know? Uh, that, that I don't. Um, it's not Fox, right? Google it. Who owns uh. Eurosport? AEW's new home in India. So no longer will you only be able to watch AEW in India on Fight TV. You will actually be able to watch it on a traditional television network, Eurosport. Discovery! Discovery! Who's merging with yeah. Discovery soon? Uh, That was, was it Warner Brothers, right? Warner Media. Warner Media, yes. Warner yeah, Media.
1: What, what, what would happen to both streaming services? Yes.
2: Uh, So, AEW, do you know, do you know what uh, AEW's other TV partners are around the world? They've got in, in, in uh, certain regions in uh, Europe, there's, go ahead. What do, you, what do you think? There?
1: I know. Well, I Okay. I, I know that the England ones. Oh,
2: God. ITV in England. ITV in the UK. Yeah,
1: ITV. Okay, that's Not a, just ITV
2: England. TV. I don't want people adding us again.
1: Oh, so, <laughs> ITV in the UK. It was a sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, and
2: uh, I'm honestly like, I don't remember all of them. But, uh, so there's TNT Siri, I think in Germany. It might be a... a a similar sort of TNT uh, international offshoot in some other regions. Space in Latin America. Who owns Space? Do you know who owns Space? I would assume Warner Media, but Warner Media owns Space. So, I think with the exception of the UK, all of AEW's TV partners on on linear TV are owned by either Warner Media or now by Discovery. And it's not as if, if we draw the W comparison, W has partners with all different sorts of, uh, parent companies, uh, you know, or subsidiaries of parent companies around the world. Um, but this is, this is conspicuous how, how AWTV deals are neatly, uh, partnered with, with either their, their major US, uh, TV partner or a company that, that, that TV partner is soon to merge with. So, uh, yeah that's interesting uh and i think it, it it i think it it lines up a situation maybe in the years to come where uh it might make sense for warner media to acquire AEW, but we'll see uh we're, we're not going to spend all this time on google web search but uh you can see the, the Google web search report that I did for the recently ended month of July 2021 on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash That is That is there for our subscribers going through the Google web search for all the name talent that I can think of for WWE, AEW, and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, we study uh, Google web search for companies as well, uh, just showing you to what extent WWE's web search volume exceeds that of every other company that you can think of combined. Uh, So WB has 77% of the, uh, the share, if you will compare that to uh, AEW, new Japan impact stardom, ring of honor, dragon gate, Noah, and some others combine all of them. And they only account for less than a quarter of the search volume Uh, that happened in July. And that's, that's not, an unusual, uh, data point there. It's usually something like that. So WB is still the monster in terms of web search for whatever that's worth. I think that's reflective of, of name ID and of mind share. Uh, so there's that. Um, I did a stream on Thursday of TV ratings. Um, if you watched it, let me know what you thought of it. I might do more of those in the future. No promises. We'll see. Uh, but give me some feedback on that if, if you watched it or go check it out and let me know what you think of it. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel for Russellomics, uh so we can uh, do more and grow the uh, the YouTube channel in the future uh, we are we are strongly considering our, our streaming options here as as we go forward in the uh, the business of Russellomics. Uh any plugs Chris
1: uh, this is Standard uh, Chris Gello, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram uh, Rediscovering any of my other podcasts uh, RTI Pod on Twitter Facebook and, and Instagram We'll have a new episode later this uh, month About the uh, NWA title uh, From the end of the TNA partnership Through the Bruce Darp era To the purchase of Billy Corgan uh, And it's not just NWA world title but it get a lot into NWA business too And stuff like that uh, And it's very interesting time When Bruce Darp owns the nwa brand um but yeah so that and uh, as far as far as me uh, the rest of my august is is free and free and easy i have a comedy show locally in buffalo on the 13th but other than that nothing until uh until september i have a wrestling show on september 11th and then it doesn't get busy and crazy again until october so wonderful
2: uh we have credits now we have credits i see let's see if i can it's do this group share <laughs> Our, our co-host and executive producer is Brandon Thurston. Our co-host, Facebook group sharer, VoicesOfWrestling.com poster is Chris Gullow. Our WrestlingOx.com transcriber is Jason Unpersuth. Please tell me if I can pronounce your name wrong, Jason. Uh, our technical consultant who gave me, a, gave me a lot of help this week and and maybe giving me some help in the future is Phil Chertok from the Post Wrestling family. And the creator, founder, originator of, of this WrestlingOx brand is Chris Harrington. Uh, you can follow us at Russellomics, you can follow me at Brandon Thurston. I'm Brandon Thurston. I'm Chris Gallow. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye.